back to your regularly scheduled programming for the Prepared Mindset podcast. I am, of course, your host, Austin, uh, and referencing, obviously, the episode we put out this weekend where I got to sit down with Kyle from Core Vision Training. Uh, like I said, that was just something that we had the opportunity to sit down and do. It was awesome. Uh, hopefully, a lot of you listening are uh, off work, taking advantage of that that you know, that buildup of PTO that we all inevitably run into at the end of the year. So maybe it worked out. Maybe you had time to listen to that episode. Hopefully you enjoyed it. I sure did. And now hopefully you're going to have time to check out and enjoy this week's episode where I sit down uh, with Troy, owner and founder of Defender Series Training Group. Uh, Really, really cool guy. Uh, We got to spend a lot of time sitting down talking about some of the just the context and detail and just situations right around training law enforcement specifically. Uh, you know, Troy's a, he's, you know, former, uh, Navy, you know, law, current law enforcement SWAT. Um, we got, we got into all kinds of stuff and hopefully it, it, if nothing else, it gives some additional perspective, right. And shines a light, uh, around some of the questions that I'm sure a lot of us outside of the law enforcement world, uh, you know, some of the things that we just don't know, or we have questions on, I ran into several of them throughout the conversation. I point those out and, and it was great. You know, Troy was very helpful and, and knowledgeable and had a really good time. I look forward, uh, you know, certainly to being able to sit down with him again in the future, uh, and, and get into it again. Um, but I think you guys are really going to dig this. Uh, I think that it's, it's a very I don't want to say different perspective, but we, we focus a lot on law enforcement in this discussion. It's, it's a reality of what this all is, is that, you know, law enforcement's out there utilizing these skills, uh, all of these skills, not even just, not just the trigger pulling, right. But things like TAC med, things like situational awareness, things like de-escalation, uh, things like hand to hand or, or ground combatives, right. All of those things, uh, defensive driving, like all that stuff, it all is used on a daily basis by, those men and women who are in uniform, right, who are police officers, and and that's what they do. So uh, very unique discussion, different from a lot of what I've been able to have. So I, I really enjoyed just being able to change things up. And uh, I think you guys are, are really going to get a kick out of it as well. Before, you know, I get over to, to the conversation I got to have, I uh, got to, as always, you know, say thank you to the sponsors here that make uh, this project possible and have been so supportive throughout the year with all of our endeavors. Uh, Eclipse Holsters, right? Eclipseholsters.com, been with us, I'm near the entire year and even before that, uh, but great, great company. If you guys are looking for, you know, a holster, maybe you're, you're listening to this and lucky enough to get gifted a firearm for Christmas, you lucky dog. Uh, you know, get a good, solid, reliable holster. Head over to EclipseHolsters.com. Check out their in-the-waistband offerings for concealed carry, their Delta. If it's, hey, maybe you got a light too, you know, or maybe you got the light for Christmas and you're looking for a new holster because of it, check out their serious holsters. Those come in in the waistband, outside the waistband. Uh, hey, maybe you're a lady listening to this and you're just looking for a creative way to carry with your leggings, your your purse, off-body you know, they have great Velcro options with their zero G holster, a ton of good options and a lot of patterns, colors. I mean, all this stuff, it's very personal, right? Uh, I, I think that your holster is a, a, you know, very personal projection of yourself. So head on over to eclipseholsters.com, check out what they've got going on, how they can help take care of you. They hooked you guys up, gave you the discount code prepared mindset. 
all one word. It's going to save you 20% off the order. And if you spend over 100 bucks, it's going to bump you on up to FedEx two-day shipping, which is pretty sweet. Get that holster sooner so you can start carrying sooner. Again, EclipseHolsters.com, discount code. Prepared Mindset is going to save you 20% off. Go check it out. Also, like I mentioned here, you know, my discussion with Troy, we get into TAC Med, head over to ActiveCarryTech.com. ActiveCarry is doing great stuff, offering medical kits and medical supplies for all you good folks out there that need them. If you carry a gun, hell, even if you don't carry a gun, you should have access to at least your basic medical supplies. You're looking for an IFAC? You can, IFAC, sorry. You can pick up the, their Blazer kit. They, guy, they set you guys up. Discount code PMP10 is going to save you 10% off your order. If the Blazer is not quite what you're looking for, you need something a little bit bigger, a little more robust. Maybe you travel with a family or something, check out their Gamma kit. You want to make sure that you have enough supplies to treat everybody that you plan on you know, traveling with. If you usually are out on the road on your own, like I am or my, my wife is, because we just, you know, we go back and forth to the office or at most we're together. You want to make sure that you have a medical kit that can address those needs. If it's, you know, the two of you plus a child, or at the very least, you or your spouse and a child, so two people, make sure you have a kit that meets those needs. Again, discount code PMP10 is going to save you 10% off. You can pick up their Guardian Ankle Kit. If you still don't see what you like, they have a custom kit builder option, which I have, I'll be honest with you, I have looked at several companies and I have not, I've not come across the custom builder option really, really nice to put together what you need in one, one complete package. Or you know what, maybe you just need some pieces, some parts, some extra supplies, right? Tourniquet, chest seal, whatever. They got all the good stuff there. Again, activecarrytech.com. Let them take care of you so you can take care of you. Discount code PMP10 for 10% off. And lastly, got to say thank you to larplabs.com. John's doing really, really cool stuff there. It seems like Every other day, every other week, we're seeing new vinyl wraps being debuted out on the page, on social media. They set you guys up, uh, sorry, prepared mindset, discount code, uh, all lowercase, 10% off. Head over to larplabs.com. Check out the computer cut vinyl that John has for your optics, your weapons lights, your handheld lights. Maybe like me, right? I just picked up a PVS 14 on Black Friday. That was my personal gift to myself for for Christmas because damn it, I deserve nice things. I'm going to check out their vinyl wraps for my PVS-14, maybe for my laser, right? Some of those things that you might not want to spray paint, but you don't want to keep it black because camouflage is important. All kinds of color patterns, all kinds of camouflage patterns, tons of options. Don't see what you're looking for. Shoot them an email. There's a pretty good chance they can take care of you. Again, this is computer cut vinyl. This isn't just going to kind of fit your light or kind of sort of fit your optic. This is very precise, very well done. And this is the durable stuff used on, you know, I've said before, rock crawlers and, you know, all kinds of stuff. This is not going to peel. It's not going to fall off. It's not going to leave some kind of weird gunky residue around the edges. Tip top quality vinyl wraps. Again, larplabs.com discount code prepared mindset, all lowercase is going to save you 10% off your order. Okay. I think that may be one of the faster, faster rounds there through the, uh, the ad space, but, uh, I'm pumped. I had a great conversation with Troy. I know you guys are really going to dig it. So I'm not even going to sit here and spin the wheels any longer. I am going to just get us straight on over to my conversation with Troy from defender series training group. Troy, welcome to the pod, man. 
Thank you, man. I appreciate it. And thanks for having me. No, absolutely. Uh, I, I'm happy to have you here and uh, interested to hear about what you do with Defender Series. Um, I think that, you know, there's a lot of, I don't know, there's, there's a large need out there for, a, for training and there's obviously a ton of companies out there, right? Um, but from what I've seen and heard, you're doing things a little bit I don't I, I never see like better than the next guy because then people are like, well, are you trying to say that your last guest wasn't good? But you do things the right way. You know what I mean? <laughs> so um let's just start off with uh if you can introduce yourself. We were just talking offline, right? I'm not even gonna sure. attempt your last name. Um, so uh, yeah, just let the listeners know uh, a little bit about yourself. Sure. Yeah, uh Troy Van Ostendorp. Uh, uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's a Dutch name, just so everyone knows. <laughs> I used to think it was German until my wife did some research and found out it was Dutch. Um, so yeah, I uh, just my kind of background uh, after my biggest thing, you know, kind of where everything started for me and get into this you know, tactical space or anything, and I wouldn't even call it tactical space in my military time. But after nine eleven, I was you know kind of drawn to join the military, so I joined the Navy. Uh, went overseas with the uh, with the Navy, which is you know a lot a lot of people are very surprised by it, but you know in that time after 9/11, Army Marines, you know those guys were getting taxed by employment deployment after deployment. So they started asking the Navy, hey, we want you to go and you know put boots on the ground. Like I was, I never I never served on a ship or did anything on a ship, and so uh, you made so, it through the Navy and didn't serve on a ship. Okay, so I'll disclaimer: I spent. <laughs> I spent three nights on a ship as it was uh, is st- stationed or moored or whatever they call it in, in yeah. New Orleans, uh, like Balboa Park, I think is like the, the, you know, the major like park right there on the water. So it's just for commissioning. They had a brand new ship. It was the U.S. Uh, I want to say it was the U.S. New York or I, I don't know, something. They had yeah, part of the yeah. World ship, Trade yeah. Center. Yeah, brand new ship. And we did the security for it because they had a vice president come and and take part in the commissioning of it. So my my job was doing the security for that because they had tons of visitors on the ship. So that was my time. It was a brand new ship, so it was pretty nice. So, But it was three days, and that's it. Like three days before that, we stayed in a Wyndham. Three days after that, we stayed in a Wyndham in New Orleans. It was, it was kind of a good time, to be honest with you. Uh, so, that but, sounds like it might have been a good time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 100%. Many stories that probably won't, I won't talk about on here came from that. So, yeah, uh, you know, went overseas to, to the Middle East, went to Iraq, and our job was mainly uh, hold up some of the detainee facilities because, you know, big army and special ops and all those guys were just bringing in, bringing them in left and right. And so we did, you know, supply convoys, stuff like that. Nothing, you know, super tactical. We did our tactical training with the army and that's where i you know my first taste of it and now that i know what i know i'm like oh man that was interesting and unfortunately they're still teaching some of that rhetoric in the in the you know basic army but we'll get to that you know a little bit later yeah so yeah my job in the in the navy was military police so that was you know kind of i did the ma school which is what they call it in the military in the navy is um military police. And, uh, so I I had an interest in, you know, kind of even before I joined, my goal was not ever to, you know, do a full career in the military. I, you know, kind of 
had a thing in my back of my head of doing SWAT and that kind of stuff for a long time. And so the, the, the Navy, you know, I was like, all right, you know, I'm doing my four years. I did my contract. I'm going to get out. And uh, it took me a little bit to get into the law enforcement field. I kind of did a few things. Uh, I worked at a gym for a little bit. And then I had to, in my mind, I had to start it. Like I, I went to corrections for a little bit for the state. And that was a nightmare. And I did that for eight months. And then I did some DOD police stuff on the military bases. And again, military bases are pretty secure. There's not a lot of stuff going on. You're not getting any high speed right. stuff. So not a ton uh, going on. Yeah. So, you know, a couple of things happened in some of the processes. Like, you know, one of them, I just randomly got a, a reckless driving speeding ticket in a process for, you know, one of the departments. And I was automatic disqualifier. Like, nope, can't do it. So. Hey, yeah, go, go take a breather, wait another year, however long it was. And, you know, luckily that was in a different city. So where I'm at now, you know, I'm, I'm happy it worked out the way it did. Let me just say that because, uh, you know, the the department I'm on is it's, it's pretty good out here on the East coast and, uh, we, we're very fortunate, so I can't complain by any means. And so, yeah, I, I got into uh, my police department in 2010 and uh, I'm sorry, 2012, 2010 was DOD police. So 2012. And uh, so uh, two and a half, spent two and a half years just, you know, working the streets. We have an oceanfront, you know, the Virginia Beach oceanfront, which is kind of fun. Like, I don't know if you ever remember watching, I think it was called like Pacific Blue or something, you know, Dude, back in the day. No, I, <clears throat> I loved. Okay. So there's actually, and I, this is going to sound awful to anybody listening. I'm sure of it, but. Like, I loved that show as a kid in that, like, oh, cool, I can ride my bike around just like the cops and everything, and I have a helmet just like that. And I found a streaming service. I think it's Freevee. I think is what it's called. And it has, like, all four or five seasons on there. And, like, I watched it as a kid. I was like, you know, like, that's the guy from Navy SEALs, Dad. You know, it's like Rick Rossovich, like, super minor character that nobody, you know, other people listening, he was Slider in Top Gun. But, like, I totally geeked out over all of that i thought it was awesome yeah but yeah, yeah. No, I absolutely know what you're talking about no so it, it was fun i like i had a blast this you know you just you're having a good time you ride around mountain bikes chasing people and running after people so i, I enjoyed it but i i, I kind of my goal when i came on the department was to join the swat team we have a full, full-time full swat team and uh, i did it as soon as i you know possibly could i put in you know went through the school, made it to the team. And I've been there uh, coming up on about seven and a half years now. So uh, I, I absolutely, I, I love it. It's the best job in the world. You couldn't pay me. You couldn't pay, offer me a million dollars to leave it and go do something else because it's just that great for me and I enjoy it. And so uh, Defender Series training group came up uh, about a little over a year, year and a half ago. It's a little bit after our active shooter that we had here in Virginia Beach, and it was just. I, I'm I'm super fortunate. Like our our police officers in my city are super fortunate because we we go well above and beyond like some of the state minimum standards in in training, and I know like now that I'm, I guess if you're on like the patrol side of our our police department you you don't get a whole lot of interaction with other departments or other officers from other departments whether it be even even like the next two counties over you don't know what they're doing you don't know what they're training and now that i'm on 
a SWAT team, we, we, we talk to their tactical teams and we work with their SWAT guys and, and either cross train or they come to some of our schools. And we, I understand now like what their training is. And I'm like, okay, there's so many guys out there that need more like Virginia beach guys, like my guys in our city. Like I, I can generally say that, you know, 99% of them are prepared for just about anything just because we go so far above and beyond. And I'm not touting any of my department or leadership. I'm, I'm just telling it like it is like, you know, we had an active shooter and everyone asked like, Hey, would you train change anything about how you trained, how you responded or anything? And across the board, the answer was no, we've, we've been doing it, you know, the right way for a while and uh, let's continue doing it that way. So I, I just saw this broad spectrum of like, you know, there's guys that need, need training. They just need it. They need way more than what they're getting at a minimum level. And um, the first thing I, I hate about it is that, you know, that they have to pay for it. You know, it's, I, I hate that aspect of it, but you know, it's I, just, I, yeah, I agree with that. 110%. I think that <clears throat> the, the shittiest thing that's happened is this, you know, these calls, these screams like, Oh, uh, let's defund the police mm-hmm. in uh tandem with people going well you i mean look at an officer involved shooting uh or you know a, a rough arrest or, or any of those things or anything that makes the news cycle maybe it's racially motivated whatever and the questions and the screams are always well, why didn't they have more non-lethal training why don't they have this why don't they have why didn't they know why didn't and it's like do you understand that this all costs money like it's a trickle down effect you slash the budget you're essentially cutting your officers off at the knee. And I mean, they have lives and families and I'm assuming would probably at some point like to take a vacation, maybe like, you know, right. the money's not just, that's not their soul. I mean, it, it is a, a soul function for a lot of people, you know, but it's like it, there it's, it can't, it can't be that way. You know, I, I don't think that police should have to to pay for their own training. Now, if it's something like crazy, like specialized, I mean, maybe, right? Or maybe there's like a stipend, like fine, whatever. It's kind of different. But the fact that anything beyond basic training seems to be like, well, you can do it, but you're going to foot the bill. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, just since you brought up the defund the police and I, I just like just to expound upon like the way that people just don't understand it. And I've talked to many people that, you know, if you're not in the department or work as a police officer where, you know, educated like yourself and you don't understand that it's not just the, 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 the cost of whatever the training is like, let's say, you know, some, some three day course is $600, you know, okay. So the department can easily eat $600, but they don't think about the fact that for those three days now, we have to backfill that officer's shift. So where, you know, he was, he or she was, you know, going to be on the shift. Now I have to pay somebody else that wasn't already scheduled either overtime or, you know, whatever the case may be to, to backfill that. And even if it's not paid training, let's just say, let's just say, you know, it's within a department. So, you know, like my department has a, a training division, you know, they have us, the SWAT team that, you know, puts on training. But we can't just say, hey, whenever you want, show up to training because they have a, you know, we're 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 staffed pretty well for our area. But we're still, you know, we're running minimum on some of these shifts that these guys are running. So you can't just, you know, hey, you go to you go, you know, do this extra training here and, and, and 
for as many days as you want. Like it just doesn't work like that. And and so that's like when when these departments say they're at the minimum levels of staffing, they're not lying. Like the minimum and and like even our department is, you know, doing a study that, hey, what should our minimum be? And I'm pretty sure it's gonna come out and say it's way more than we're running with now because these guys are running from calls to calls and you know, you got sometimes, you know, three or four calls backed up at, you know, whatever given time. And I can't expound any more on that because I don't, you know, run patrol anymore, but I know that they're, they're not always like have four extra guys that they're riding like two to a car and stuff like that so that they can take off and, and well, go do and training. Yeah. And it's, it's the same as with any job, realistically. I mean, if you want to compare it from what I know, it's not a apples to apples comparison with what what you know policing is versus like any other job necessarily right but if you have a boss who's just riding your ass all the time and it's like as soon as you finish the first thing there is no time to stop take a piss you know whatever you got to go run to the next thing that tempo throughout the day like that's you know in retail it's like okay it's the holidays and it really sucks but you know there's an end coming when that calendar flips over or you know like i work in banking and when i used to work in the branches like i always knew friday sucked because it was payroll day and everything but you knew that at six o'clock the door was closing and that like whether they were there or not, you were done helping people for, for the day. That's obviously not the case, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's continuative and exhausting, especially when it's not like, Hey, we're just shorthanded, you know, Rose quits. So we're hiring a new person. Give us a couple yeah. weeks. It's like, Hey, this is it for the foreseeable future. You yeah. know, so yeah. buckle up. It's going to suck. Exactly. So I, yeah. It's not sustainable. Yeah. So if, you know, if I had any, um, God, if you, gosh, if you had any, like a bunch of senators and congressmen, whatever, listening, our, our plea to them would be give us more funding for training and officers period. And, and we would reduce, we would reduce 100, 100% reduce it. I don't know by what number, but the amount of, uh, encounters that went, you know, to an officer involved shooting that shouldn't have, or, you know, you know, you, you, we can, we can go on for days, you know, guys, we can yeah. start mandating that guys have, you know, a physical training, be some kind of, you know, ground training and defensive tactics stuff that, you know, we're, we're starting to see that it's, it's becoming a, Hey, let's make this a mandate, but it's, it's just not like, for instance, my, in my state, and I'd love if anyone's listening that works in the government in my state anywhere, Please listen to this. We don't require active shooter training for all Wait, police officers. You, I, so that is that it? I thought that was an, okay. So I mean, I'm obviously mistaken. I had thought because there was something that came out after Uvalde, right, where there was commentary made through the media about uh, active shooter, uh, cer- some kind of certification or something, right. So maybe this is a big misconception for a lot of people listening, but I thought that was a national requirement for law enforcement agencies to be like either certified or accredited or something. Um, Cause that was something that came out afterwards and people were so, uh, I mean, obviously so much to, to be appalled about with all of that, obviously, but <clears throat> to hear, Hey, five weeks ago, these uh, individuals all cleared that training and everything. So a, you would think it's fresh in the mind, but B, yeah like they made it sound as if it was something that was nationally required. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll go on record and say that hundred percent there is not like all 50 States and territories in the United States of America 
do not require a police officer to have some sort of active shooter training to be a police officer. Now, caveat to that. That doesn't mean they're not getting the training. That just means that's not a requirement. So where that really comes into play is like, again, I'll, I'll say for like my department, we 100% do it. Of course, we're not going to just do the minimum standards. And the minimum standards are just that, you know, you know how they are. It's just the minimum to get by and be certified or, yeah. you know. Enough to so reduce got, liability. Exactly. Enough to, hey, they went through the training that we need. Let's get them on the street and have them start answering calls. And, and that's the the higher likelihood of what things happen, especially when you come to these smaller departments, smaller agencies, whether it be uh, a smaller police department or a uh, like, you know, some up in the eastern, you know, seaborne states have like townships where it's not a city. It's, you know, a couple cities, but in a big township or we would like a county or you even have sheriff's department in the county. They aren't required to. So that doesn't mean they're going to like if they're if they can go through the minimum amount of training and then get on the street and start answering calls. That may be what they're doing. And I'm not speaking for all departments and, and saying that they're all going above and beyond. I hope that they are. But the 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 requirement is not there for them in every single state. And so there's like like the alert, you know, training that was mainly referenced in Uvalde because alert is right there in Texas. That's a, you know, university in Texas. Alert does good training. I've taken a course by alert, uh, uh, taught by alert. And uh, so their, you know, their training that those guys went to is, is great. And it's, I, I want to say there's, there's really no such thing as a national recognition of like active shooter training for the most part, because that would almost like we'd have to say everyone nationally recognize how to do CQC. Right. And that's, we just know that that's, mm, that's yeah, you're going to run into a whole lot of, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not a thing. Disagreements. So, you know, it, yeah. But it doesn't matter because each state, you know, you have to get certified in your own state to be a police officer. It, it doesn't matter what the national trend or whatever may be in your state. This is what's accepted. This is what's not. Here's your badge. So, uh, to to that effect, alert isn't the you know not everybody in the United States goes to alert. You know, there's other active shooter instructor schools or active shooter schools. Fletsy, the federal government, puts on some that are free for you know for a, any law enforcement officer to go through. So there's there's plenty out there, but again, that was just the the small caveat to that was that it's just not required at this point in time to be a police officer in all states. Which is, that's shocking to me that even, so not having, it's fine, don't have it like a national registry or a national accreditation, fine. But like, why don't we hear more about a mandate for that? You know, I mean, we hear a lot about, you know, obviously gun control laws and uh, and and our, our current administration, obviously great at, at railing about that. But it's like, well, what do we, you know, and it's, it's the same rhetoric, which just sickens me over and over, right? Uh, that it's we need to do something to keep our children safe. You're damn right. But, you know, and not to put, certainly not to put more undue stress on law enforcement, but I mean, you would think that, that would be like a pretty easy starting point. Like, Hey, uh, they're obviously free. You said, uh, Fletzy, you know, like, Hey, there's at least some free resources out there. We could take advantage of that. If the department yeah. doesn't have funding, like 
that it just seems like a natural starting off point for addressing what seems to be a fairly recurrent issue, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, I, I 100% agree. Like, Fletzy's free. Yeah, of course, you got to pay for your own travel to get there. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's there's costs associated no matter what. However, I'll even say this on caveat, like, if you're listening and you're a you know, law enforcement officer anywhere, Fletzy will, will, you know, come to you and, and, and host, you know, they have mobile training teams. And again, I'm not, I don't want to say yay or nay on all the instructors at Fletzy, but just like anywhere you have, you know, you have, you have your good and you have your bad, but they are all teaching a curriculum that is, if you're not getting anything then it's it's better than nothing and so i i have set up through my own department you know a a tac tac med instructor school tac med you know program for officers for them to come here and it's it's as it's as easy as starting with an email a random email to somebody and you get a response back and then you know you start obviously in my position you know i'm able to you know coordinate hosting sites and stuff like that but you know it's out there it's out there yeah. and it, it, it's a huge underutilized uh, asset, you know, for a lot of police departments. There's, you know, these guys are set up in territories and, and they just get paid to go out and train. And and just on the Fletzy note, the best thing that I've, I've gotten from them is they have a great TAC med instructor program where they do like three days of TAC med instructor and then two days of just TAC med for officers. Like at one day is eight hour and the next day is eight hour so that they can get multiple officers through it while they're there in that week. And everybody leaves there with a med kit, like a legit med kit, you know, a cat tourniquet, you got a uh, soft tee, you got, you know, chest seals, shears, like a great med kit that's all provided from the federal government. So that is by far one of the best courses I've taken as far as attack med size. And I've got like some cool like tips and tricks from them that, I've actually used and incorporated into my stuff. So, um, so yeah, the assets are there and that's just, you know, one of those things for, you know, some of these motivated officers where if they don't offer their department or something, they just, they really got to just seek and and network, you know, outside of that. Um, So, so is, is that where, is, is that, I I assume that's where some of this, this gap, this void here is where defender series kind of steps in to try and, Address. I don't want to say fill the fill the void necessarily, but at least help to facilitate and and you know bridge those gaps, help reduce those gaps, and and provide better instruction. Yeah, so I'm not gonna like you know act like I'm you know filling some void that nobody else is doing or anything like that. Is is yeah, 100. Like I want the guys that want and guys and girls that want to get the training. I want them to have access to it and you know, at a level that in my opinion, they should get it at, you know, that, and again, like you mentioned earlier, there's tons of great training companies out there, tons of them. I, I can, you know, go through, you know, probably my Instagram and, and, you know, give you references or people that I've talked to or whatever that, you know, in whatever area there is and, and they're out there. And, and so, my other thing too is just I love like teaching. Uh, it's a huge passion of mine is you know seeing somebody start at one point and then build them up to the next point, and and watching them you know especially like you know CQC stuff like just watching 
man, you barely knew how to, you know, do a, a threshold or a pan a door, you know, day one. And now look at like you're working with five, six other guys. You guys are problem solving, you know, doors left, doors right, hallway, you know, all as a team at the same time. Like that's I just I love doing that. And it's it's a huge passion of mine. And I, I enjoy it just like the only thing I enjoy more than that is going on my operations and, you know, doing my search doing and yourself. stuff like, yeah, yeah. So like real world, real, real time. That's, that's it. That's the only thing I love more than that is, is doing that. So I got a passion for it. And, um, I also like, I'm, I'm a, I know you're, you'll love this too, because you know, you're, you're pretty good with mentioning like the medical side of things. And, and I'm, I'm that guy too. Like, you, you shouldn't know just how to put holes in people if you don't know how to plug holes in, you know, people and, and fix them. And so I think you should know how to do a little bit of both and, or a lot of both, you know, to be honest with you, yeah. it's, a little the knowledge is out there. Yeah, the knowledge is sure. out there. So mm-hmm. I also like, I like to bridge that gap as well. Cause on my team, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the medical guy, like not the medical guy, but I put it, I, I don't nerd out but I, I research that and I, I make sure that I'm knowledgeable in it or on, you know, that subject. I'm not a paramedic. I'm not an EMT, but like TAC med stuff, I can, uh, you know, I can talk about that stuff and I can teach that stuff. And, and, and that's why, you know, the other part of defender series training group is it's heavy focus on law enforcement and even military. I had a, we had a military uh, police officer, so he's, you know, Navy guy, but he came through one of our courses. So military is huge as well, but civilians, like I, I want you to be prepared too. And that's why I know, you know, probably you, you, you and me have, you know, kind of connected too. is it's, I'm not like that guy that should, that is thinking that only police officers or military should get tactical or medical or any of that training. I've, I've had just as many civilians go through some of my courses, whether it be like my attack med courses that have used in the real world, some of the, you know, interventions that we have taught in our course. I mean, law enforcement officers have too, by far, like probably the most, but that doesn't change. Like, you know, one of the guys that have gone through my courses works at a, uh, at a factory and a factory that has machines that can just destroy body parts. If you're People not paying attention. Yeah. And, and that has happened. And they put on a tourniquet and they knew what to do. They calmed the guy down. Like, you know, medics came and, and, and took over and they said, Hey, I put a tourniquet on here and here's where I put it, you know, just, you know, did the whole transfer over to a medic. And that was just a civilian that, you know, just wants more training to be able to protect his, his or her family and, and understanding that protection is way more than just carrying a gun. Right. Well, and in your, as a civilian, we're, we're obviously way more likely to run into using those kinds of supplies that you deploy your, your IFAC or your kit, whatever, than you ever will be just from a pure likelihood standpoint, right. Then to have to deploy your firearm. Um, now obviously as a law enforcement, that number, the numbers are, are, you know, definitely different, but you're still responding to those incidents, those issues. And it's not always, you know, a gunshot wound. I'm, I'm assuming here, obviously I haven't, you know, I don't know, but it could be a car accident. It could be, you know, maybe it's a domestic dispute without a gun. I mean, those certainly happen, right. You know, yeah. 
and being able to respond appropriately with just basic medical, like people don't realize you can just stuff like a fanny pack or, you know, guys run danglers on kit and everything. And it's like, Hey man, if you have a couple tourniquets, a chest seal and like take whatever amount of gauze you think you need and like double it. And right there, your effectiveness is already like way higher than you realize especially if you know, and the understanding like, Hey, I'm not the paramedic. I'm not here to render, you know, full aid. It's just to, to get things started until essentially until the the real help arrives, like you can be very impactful and it's not as bad as I think. I think a lot of people have the perception just because it's, it's medical. It's like, Whoa, I, you know what I mean? I can't, I can't even step into that world. So I, I, and it blows my mind that there's still departments out there that don't require officers to carry some kind of blowout kit. Like even small ones, you vacuum seal them, you drop them in your pants. Like a lot do, but I know a lot don't. Yeah. Oh, no, 100% agree. And and you're you're still spot on. And, you know, I don't, I don't know, maybe if you're like Chicago and, you know, I got a, I got a buddy that works for Chicago SWAT or at least for a few more months or days. And you're still, you know, more likely to come across as a, even as a police officer, a medical situation where you will use some sort of life-saving tool in a medical intervention, then you will use your firearm. And, and, and so, yeah, you're, you're spot on with saying that like the, the, the quick interventions that you're talking about that, that we talk about are, are just an intervention to bridge the gap between right now and when like an EMS truck gets there with way more supplies than I can carry on me and with somebody that's got a higher knowledge than, than I do. And like you said, it's, it's very simple. It, you're, it's not like rocket science. You don't have to go to EMT class to, to learn like the effective way to put on a tourniquet or like, you know, the, the tics, tips and tricks to help you put it on fast and, and the right way the first time or when to use a chest seal and how to, you know, pack a wound because, you know, that's one of the things that I quickly learned. I, I've been, I had been through so many like TCCC classes, either through the military, like CLS classes, which are, you know, very similar combat lifesaver classes or, you know, even on an apartment. But the minute I did, uh, uh, I'll say I, I had the opportunity to, to do a, um, a a pig lab you know where you're using um you know live animals to yeah to do interventions on that was the the telltale like hey there's actually a way to pack a wound that you could completely fail and like before that you would think you know you see all the movies and uh black hawk down you're like oh yeah just stuff it in and you're fine and like no it's it's not like that it doesn't work like that you could you could pack a wound for you know 40 seconds and then you look down and it's still like just oozing blood. Like you, haven't, you haven't done anything. Yeah. Because you didn't, you know, find the source of the bleed first, put pressure on the source of the bleed and then start putting your combat gauze or, you know, some sort of clotting agent, you know, replacing pressure with pressure with your fingers, you know, all those, you know, things that, you know, I know now I'm like, Oh man, like I still, I'm not an EMT. Like I don't mm-hmm. have to know all that stuff, but I know that. And like you said, it's a minimum amount of training that you can get to to really make a difference in, you know, the five minutes or less, like, hey, you're going to live. But if you have, you know, like 20 minutes to live based on whatever your injury is, 
you're probably good. You probably can wait for a, you know, EMT or ambulance or something. Yeah. Is so is the med, would you say in your experience, like law enforcement, military civilian, is the med piece something that's the most lacking with students or is it one of those things that comes in and it's like the CQC piece, uh, you know, is there, or I guess, is there any really one consistent across the board that's lacking? Uh, so honestly, I'll, I'll say 100% on based on my experience and, and, you know, my department and what I've seen med is like the least lacking of training. We, Oh, good. Yeah, it, it is like tourniquets are, are getting used all the time. And, uh, so I think there's a, there's not very many scenarios where an officer, you know, may or may not have been able to save a life based on using some kind of medical intervention. And they didn't because of their lack of training. It's, you know, it's usually in my experience, it's usually comes down to the biggest lack of training is self-awareness and your like confidence in being able to handle a situation including like hands-on confidence, you know, like ability to go hands-on with somebody and protect yourself and, you know, win the situation. And then we end up, not we, you know, some end up using a higher level of force than they need to or should because they're not comfortable with the, the, the lower levels at the time. That's, that's in my opinion, the biggest lack of training. If I had to say like, Hey, if you got 20 more hours per academy or even per year to train somebody on something, I would say like, go spend 10 hours doing hands-on like defensive tactics stuff and, and rolling and fighting with, with guys. And then spend the other, we'll spend the other 10 hours doing, you know, firearm CQC stuff. Yeah. It's actually, you know, I have a buddy who's uh law enforcement uh, up here in Michigan and, uh, he actually works for a great department. They really do give him the opportunities. But even he, he told me, he's like, I get about 10 hours a year that I can dedicate towards like, uh, you know, jujitsu or like, you know, ground-based combatives. Like it's, I mean, and and people hear that and like, well, that's 10 hours. It's like, yeah, but that's not shit. That's like a day. That's like one full classroom day yeah. for the year, you know? And it's, it's really not that much. Um, and, you know, like to your point, and I'm glad you pointed it out, like too much force. It, it's a, it's, it's something that happens because of not necessarily a lack of training on the combatives piece, but I think more to how to, like you said, like regulate that it's like stress regulation almost to like, you know, know when you're going too far or not going far enough. And the thing that comes to mind when I, you know, you're talking about that is we had a situation here in Grand Rapids, the other side of the state for me, uh, several, several months ago. And again, you know, short staffing, single officer riding alone, did a traffic stop. Uh, the guy got out of the vehicle, wasn't compliant. Officer tried to deploy his taser. Uh, I don't know if there was a training and, you know, I'm not trying to be overly critical of this officer, but he was within arm's reach of the guy when he decided to deploy the taser and the guy took it away from him and then they started rolling and basically it turned into this huge shit storm because he basically got him in like a like a rear naked choke position and then for whatever reason like you can watch the video i think it's out there shot the guy in the back of the head and it's really easy to pick those things apart 
you know, for months and, and months afterwards. But in the moment that fight or flight kicks in, it's like, you just want it. You know that you want to win and yeah. you're not thinking clearly for any number of reasons. That's not to say that there's any training in the world that can prepare you for some of that, but you know, stress, stress management is a huge, is a huge thing that I think is not talked about a whole lot. No, hundred percent. And, and that, and not only just like common stress knowledge, knowledge or management is it's like manage these scenes in a way that you are in complete control of all of your actions. Like you can't just say, I think I did this. Like I'm, you know, and that's not easy. It's, it's really not to, to no. replace that. And you need a lot of, again, training to replace that. You need a lot of scenarios where, you know, the highest level of force we can use in scenarios is ammunition rounds or, you know, paint rounds is, you know, what I commonly refer to it as. And I'm sure, you know, you know, a lot about what that is and you just take, you know, conversion kits and your weapons and now you can, you know, shoot at each other with something way more accurate than a paintball. It has a, a physical effect that you feel when you're hit. It's, mm-hmm. It, you're still being able to train with your actual weapon, which is, you know, huge. And you're not having to use some, you know, paintball looking, you know, weapon, but like that's between adding that some people screaming at you, maybe some loud music. And it, like, that's the, that's the best you can give somebody that's never, never been in a high stress situation. Let's say, you know, you got somebody, you know, we get, we're getting a lot of people nowadays that have never been in the military, you know, a lot of cops have never been in the military. And uh, so they're, they're joining for way different reasons than like when I did back in the nine 11 era, you had, a you had a lot of people, you know, flock to service back then uh, based on, you know, country pride and things like that. And, and yeah. I'm not saying these guys aren't, these guys and girls aren't coming for the right reasons, but they're not coming because those reasons they're coming yeah. because maybe it, maybe it'd be benefits, maybe it'd be salary. That's great. I'll take them wherever we can get them. However, if that wasn't their first forethought, you know, of why I want to join, it's an afterthought of, oh, I want to join for benefits, but yeah, okay. I, I get it. I might have to, I might have to, you know, use force and kill somebody one day. And so it's, it's just a way different. We're seeing a way different, you know, recruit or police officer come yeah. in. And, I, and I'm sure you've heard that and seen it. it it's, it's across the board. It's, it's just, it is the way it is. Like military, same thing. I'm in the National Guard. You're getting, you're getting a completely different set of people. They're joining for complete different reasons. Nobody right now is joining because they want to go to war and protect our country. Right. Like 2000, oh, yeah. you know, it's one, just not two, that same feeling. Yeah. To, to 2012, 13, 14. People are still joining because they want to do their part in the war and protect their country and service. You don't have that anymore. So uh, I'm just, I bring that up to say like that forethought isn't there. So that stress, like they've never had those stressors that you may have experienced in the military or, you know, guys and girls have experienced overseas in war. You don't have that. So you have to do your best, you know, as a, you know, training staff or whatever your police department is to what's the best we can do to, you know, stress these guys out and see what kind of decisions they make under stress. Right. So and then let me ask you that because something that used to get passed around on social media, like a whole shitload and you see 
you see quite a bit less of it now. And I don't know if it was just like, this was a popular thing or if it's actually been disproven. But since we're talking about like uh, stress inoculation, right. And getting your, your heart rate up and everything you used to see a lot of guys like, Oh yeah, here, you're going to run to the sandbag and carry this, you know, 50 pound sandbag, hundred yards. And you're going to drop that. And you're going to do 10 push-ups, and you're going to sprint all the way back and, you know, do like did 20 burpees. And then you're gonna draw your gun and put around on target at 50 yards or something crazy. Right. Yeah. Does that work? Does that work? You know, is that like, is that a method to, to seek out or is it more like, you know, more sizzle, less substance? So it's, it's got a sizzle in my mind in, in this, and this is only it like it's an emotional factor. It has zero, zero emotional factor on that at all. Physical factor. Yes. Now you can really test what your body is going to do. Are you going to have enough gas in the tank to handle business at the, at the end of a for pursuit? So is there a place for it? Yes. 100%. Because I, I need like, like, you know, our SWAT guys, when we have SWAT schools and we have guys put in for our SWAT school, like I need to see that, that you can, you know, maybe sit outside a house or whatever for 10 hours after a 10 hour training day where we're, you know, you know, running and gunning or whatever we're doing, I need to see that you still have the mental capacity to put away that physical stuff or number one, that you, you trained yourself to get there physically, but then number two, that you're not letting those physical factors change what your thought process is on making decisions, tactical decisions, you know, when to use force, all that kind of stuff. But to create the stress that you're talking about, no, those those don't do that because for us to create stress, like one of the, you know, some of the biggest things are if I know what I'm going to do, if I know I'm going to do 50 burpees, I know I'm going to do a hundred yards, you know, run. And I know I'm going to do this. I already know all that. So the stress of not knowing it's already relieved. I don't have that stress in my right. mind, you know, so you've already given them a, a, a an out. Like I've run 110 you know, yards before this time. I only got to run a hundred. Okay, I can do that. I've done 50 burpees before. I know I can do that. I've carried this before. I, I know I can do that. It's the not knowing what's coming and if I've ever done it before or can I meet the challenge. That's where we start to create stress, like actual stress. And then when you add in like the biggest stressor you can cause, and I just had last week, I, I, I trained um, our, our latest recruit academy and our we call it building searches in our state because obviously as a state you can't call it cqc because it's got the word combat in it you know so god forbid yeah and 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 and, and <clears throat> i get it to the likelihood of it being a them you know going on a search warrant you know for a higher search warrant is, is less the, the likelihood of you know we're training them hey this alarm call you know, somebody broke in a building, you know, we, I need you to go search this building, make sure nobody's in it. Like that's the highest likelihood. However, I'd never, ever, ever take out like the fact that they could be ambushed. And and I, I want to, I, I want to build that in their mindsets to always think like that. However, like their biggest in their, in their era police Academy, you have the stress of one performing well, in front of your peers, that's like its own stress in itself, right? Because mm -hmm. everyone's, you know, trying to learn the job at the same time. And maybe they're trying to compete and be the best recruit that there are, there are, or there is. And then you have the stress of 
performing for your instructors, you know, whoever that, you know, you have in that police academy, you have like, we call them squad leaders or whoever your, you know, initial leaders are that are working just for that academy. Like, so they teach a myriad of things, but they're not like subject matter experts on anything really, you know, and, and not in a bad way, but I'm just saying like, so if you want them to learn firearms, they go to our firearms training unit. So you got your squad leaders that you want to impress because they're with you all the time. And then you got your instructors that you want to impress. So you have that, that psychology of peer squad leaders and then instructors. So that's a stressor and that's a big one, a really, really big one. You add that to start throwing paint rounds at them, you know, do some audio, you know, exclusion to where they can't hear mm -hmm. anything. They can't hear themselves think that's really the best you can do. And even if you're not a police recruit, let's say you're just a, coming to your yearly in-service, you know, like your, your, um, your friends, like 10 years of, or 10 hours every year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now we start getting to, all right, they're already a police officer. You know, let's, you know, we treat them, treat them better, obviously. And we start taking away the stress inoculation or, you know, adding the stressors because, you know, we don't want to treat them like they're recruiting more. However, we can add a little bit. We, I think we should still be adding something to create those stressors on them. Yeah. Um, and, and so to answer your question in a long form, no, those, those things like doing burpees and, you know, doing all those things, they don't create stress. It just, it's a physiological effect and your body either, was already prepared for that physiologically effect based on what your workout routine was and what you have done, or it wasn't. And it could be like you go and you just completely jack up the scenario or shoot like, you know, shoot like crap. But it doesn't mean that you're not a good shooter. It could mean because you just physically weren't prepared and your, your physiological system, your body just broke down to where now instead of pulling the trigger, you know, slight slack squeeze, your body's thinking of breathe, breathe, breathe. Right. So, and, 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 and to continue on that, is that, that fitness piece, is that, is that something that you see getting better, you know, as more people are coming in? Um, and I, and it's, I ask, cause it, I feel like that it's, it, maybe it's an ad, maybe that's why I see it on Instagram, but I swear I've seen this, I think it's a Colian Noir video talking about like some, per, what percentage of law enforcement are like obese. And it has this awful video clip of this, like, this guy had to be every bit of 300 or 350, you know, uh, trying to pull somebody out of a parked car a and female out of a parked car. Yes. Yeah. And they yeah draw a firearm and this guy just starts taking rounds and flop around on his back. And it's like, I hate to use the term beached whale, but it almost looked like he couldn't, he could not get himself up to continue the fight. Um, which, you know, I, 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 I don't, you know, I don't want to like body shame anyone, you know, or use that term. Uh, Lord knows, like, I, I mean, I get it and I should definitely be in, we can all be in better shape, but like fitness is, is paramount. Is, is that something that's, that's being, like I said, is it getting better or do you, do you see it getting worse? I, I'm, it's hard to say. I, I don't think it's going, you know, I think the, the waves or the scale goes, you know, up and down. In, in, in little in little waves nothing major mm -hmm. and wh when i say like 
it should go up in a major way. I'd love to see it go up in a major way of, of across the board, you know, police officers being generally way more healthier than they are. Because again, like, you know, we kind of talked about using more force than you need to. Well, that's one of the huge like contributing factors is not going hands-on because your lack of, you know, confidence in your ability to handle yourself going hands-on. Well, like you don't get confidence handling people going hands-on if number one, you don't do it often in some sort of, you know, whether it be jujitsu or, you know, whatever, or like be your ability to, you know, be in a situation like that and still be able to breathe and think right. And if you don't think that you're going to be able to handle that physically, then you're not going to put yourself in that position. So you're not going to go hands on and maybe you're going to pull a taser. And when it's time, like it's not time to pull a taser yet, like, or you're too close, like introducing, you know, some sort of weapon in a close space where if you're not comfortable of retaining that weapon, if somebody tries to grab it or someone goes after it, then you're just, you're just, making things worse than they need to be. So across the board, like I would love, I would love for, you know, police officers to take it way, you know, way more serious than they do. And unfortunately it's that, that mindset of uh, the, the outcome has always worked out. So it's like, uh, you know, we do this outcome based and and police policing in general does this and, and doesn't do a good job at it outcome-based thinking. So, Hey, I handled this scenario today. Like I had a police, you know, I had a a subject that tried to fight me and I went hands on with them or I pulled out my taser and they would drop to the ground and I handled it. So the outcome was I won that scenario, but the only reason that they won was because of the actions of what the other subject, you know, decided to take, like they didn't decide to, fight them they saw the taser and they stopped so then you do that you know 12 13 times and the officer's got this confidence that every time i pull out my taser everyone just drops to the ground and yeah. you know i so my training's good like i know what that, i'm doing yeah that whole silver bullet effect like you you fall to it too many times a hundred percent and so then you don't train for the the outlier like you don't train for like it it in my job especially you know on swat team like I train for the 1% because when, when I show up with, you know, 17 of my friends, you know, I'll have rifles, handguns, you know, body armor. We have a big bear cat. 99% of these guys are, are going to give up and they do. And that's, that's the stats. I train for the 1% that is not going to give up, that he doesn't care. Like he's going to fight no matter what he sees. That's what you got to train for. You can't train on the outcome of, Hey, look guys, we're good to go. Like 99 times out of a hundred, you know, they're going to yeah. give up. We don't, we don't need to do like these critical debriefs. You don't need to worry if I completely dug my corner or not. When I entered the room 99 times out of a hundred, we're going to be good. And that's where cops fall into this problem, especially when it's physically is, you know, they haven't had that. Like you talk to a cop that has had a legit, fight for their life for three minutes, like a, a suspect that has fought them, try to take their gun and they're one-on-one by themselves. And you tell me that officer doesn't come out of it thinking either a, I'm happy with what I did or B I need to do more. 
you talk to them and see what they say. Yeah, I, I kind of assume it would. I, I don't know. It, it's especially especially it's like yeah, the first time it happens. I imagine it's. I I don't know. I imagine it's a lot of what can I do better. Like I didn't like that. That wasn't great. I'm not in a you know I'm not in a hurry to to go through that again. Yeah. How can I make it you know easier? I, I would think that that would be the response. I mean, I guess there may be some others that would look at it and go, yeah, well, I, you know, I fucked that shit up. So, you know, I'm good to go. I, yeah, you can't, you just, you can't have an ego. You you just can't. Well, and that's, yeah, the, uh, I heard that, uh, is it two, a couple of years ago? I don't know. One of the guys from the Fieldcraft survival from Fieldcraft, it was Kevin Owens. He said, uh, I think someone said it to him. So maybe it's just like some sage wisdom passed down, but you can carry a gun or you can carry an ego, but you can't carry both. Yeah. And I heard that. I was like, holy shit, that's like really profound. Like you should put that on like a bumper sticker. You can make a ton <laughs> of money off that, you know, but it's, you know, and we see it a lot. I think this is my, my observation. You see it a lot on the civilian side of things too. People get that CPL, they start carrying a gun and, and that's it. And it's like, well, you know, anyone wants to fuck with me, you know, we can just got, you know, I'll just shoot, you know, I've had people say things like that to me. And, you know, like I'm and I'm not ultra familiar with all of the laws. I'm not in law enforcement, but even I, you know, I try to be positive and courteous. Like, well, actually, hey, man, you might want to look into have you thought about taking some combatives? Have you thought about, you know, taking a class like the like situational awareness? You can sign up for uh, it was Yusuf Badu's um, Emergence Disrupt, which is all about just reading situations and a lot of this stuff, at least on the civilian side, you know, people would be surprised how much you can avoid just by getting your face out of your fucking phone and and paying attention, be more yeah. situationally aware. Oh. But I think a lot of people carry the firearm and they think, you know, this, it, it, it's like that's, it's that safety blanket. Like, I'll just, I'll be fine because I have a gun and it's like, well, they can have a gun. You know I mean? What is that? Then what's that going to do? Yeah. Or you introduce your gun too early. They take it from you. And now what? Like, <laughs> Oh, 100%. Like, I talk about that. And again, I don't train a lot of civilians. More of my focus is is law enforcement and, you know, just bring in, like, the patrol level, try to bridge the gap between patrol and, and SWAT. Like, we ask our patrol officers to to handle a lot, when, especially when we talk, to, talk about active shooter. Like, you're basically asking a patrol officer to go in by themselves and handle a damn near hostage rescue situation. You know, that's that, that's the, the nearest equivalent of what we would call it, because, you know, when I handle a hostage rescue situation, I got 17 friends with me. You know, yeah. they don't they don't have that. And so we're asking a lot of them. And that's, again, more of my focus. But all the time I have, you know, civilian friends that, you know, I talk to or talk to me about the same situation that you're saying. And just because you have a concealed weapons permit and you're carrying a weapon around the the circumstance that you're going to use that is so rare it don't get me wrong i'm a huge advocate of it huge advocate especially like even as like a cop like i'm sorry not all cops carry off duty like all the time they don't oh, no, i have i have a buddy that just left the the state troopers here in michigan yeah. and uh he, i mean he's going to a federal agency so he'll be able to carry again soon he's like yeah it feels really weird not carrying a gun i'm like what are you talking about? He's like, well, I don't have a CPL. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, I never got one. 
Like, yeah. you, you never thought to get one. You never thought what might happen if I'm not a cop anymore or something. You, oh, no. Like, well, okay. even if you have the ability, like I know, I, I know there's plenty of cops that have the ability just based on their badge that you're allowed to carry concealed off duty. You're encouraged to, and they just don't, you know, in, in all the time. And that's, you know, again, not, not just a cop thing. That's, you know, uh, even civilians that have the permits, that's a, uh, a mindset thing that, you know, it's kind of a different, different thing. But the point is, is as a civilian, like you said, like you can't just get, bring your weapon and think you're going to solve every situation. And to the, to the point of like the class that you talked about, like I would just simply call it like a de-escalation type class or, or mm-hmm. damn, the situational awareness. Like, like you said, get off your phone. Like it's, it's funny. Me and my, my kids, I got a 14 year old, 10 year old. And we see somebody like walking across the street or in the middle of, of a, of a grocery store. And I say, what, what is that? I said, that's a sheep. Like, yep. hundred <laughs> percent. Like they have no idea what they're doing. They yep. could be attacked at any time. They're not looking around like that. That's that can solve so many situations. Like I see a guy, he looks super shady. He keeps looking at my direction. I'm pumping my gas. I'm going to stop pumping and leave. You just have maybe avoided a situation because a lot of these, you know, crimes or you know, robberies or carjackings, a lot of them are based on opportunity. They're crimes of opportunity. It's not like next yeah. person that next person that comes and pulls in this pump, I'm taking their car. And then you get somebody that looks like they know what they're doing, gets out of a truck, you know, carries themselves in a certain way. They're not going to just, okay, yep, I said I was going to do it. I'm going to go try to carjack this guy. No. no. Yeah. Absolutely not. <laughs> like the 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 brain, the psyche just doesn't work like that. They look for the easiest victims that they can possibly find. And like you said, someone just staring down at their phone has no idea what's going on around them. That's the easiest one there. That they're not yeah. going to be prepared. And and so like yeah, like like you said, like go in and get your concealed weapons permit. That's a great feat. Like I encourage all to do that. But don't think that's going to solve our situations. You know, there's there's so many more things that you can be aware or relevant with that can, you know, potentially save your life before it even comes to the point of pulling your firearm. Because well, if you pull your firearm as a, as a concealed weapons holder, it needs to be like shit hits the fan. Yeah, like it, you gotta be it, sure. It can't be, yeah, it can't be road rage. I'm pulling my gun because somebody cut me off and flipped me off. Like, nah, you're part of the no. problem now. You're, yeah, you you really have to be committed to that that course of action and. And further, you know, like, what if you don't, ha- what if you can't have your gun? What if you're in one of these uh, non-permissive areas that seem to be magnets for these active shooting events? You know, that coupled with things like, hey, you're always in your phone. So your reaction times are slower. You're, And it's something that, again, it was pointed out when I talked to Yusuf, but <clears throat> people will just try to explain away these things that happen. They're like the originators of these, like, like the Las Vegas shooting, right? You start hearing gun what are gunshots and you immediately start to look around who's setting off fireworks, where's the firecrackers, or you did a car backfire. You immediately try to find the the rational way to explain away what's happening rather than the realization of like shit, something's going down. And you know, those things compound on top of each other. And I feel like the more people train themselves to just not and it, it could be in law enforcement too, you know. I mean, like the less 
trained you are, whether you train yourself through some of those like you know, there's apps out there that like the, the mind training type stuff or whatever, um, or go to classes for it or read books on it. Like situational awareness, I think is, is probably one of the most underrated skill sets that is probably the easiest and potentially cheapest to, to work on. hundred percent, hundred percent, because and I tell my cops this all the time, like you're driving, you know, on patrol. What if everything, you know, what if yourself like, Hey, if active shooter came out right now, what would my actions be? Not like just, and, and you got to be very specific about it because that's how you train yourself. And like you said, it's, it's free and it's something you're doing to you're preconditioning your mind in, in a, in a response. It, it, it goes to the little nuances of I'm going to, drive to said location, put my vehicle in park. I'm going to take my seatbelt off. Then I'm going to draw my weapon. Like all those little things, if you don't somehow put them in a what if scenario or or somehow put them in your brain, they're not just going to show up when it's game time and be like, oh, this is automatic to me. No, you're going to see officers and you see it all the time. They're going to go to get out and they're going to, you know, hit their seatbelt or even as a you know civilian, like same thing. Like you're going to, you're going to go to try your firearm or you're going to have your keys in your hand and you're not going to think about like, Oh, what are you going to do with these? Like the, what if that you can do to prepare yourself? Like you said, it's the most underrated and easiest form of training. Like you might not be doing it right, but if you're just talking yourself through human functions, then you're doing something. And those human functions need to be extremely finite. Like, down to like, I'm going to, you know, look down at my fire and when I draw it, or I'm going to look at my seatbelt or, you know, all that stuff. I'm going to, I'm not going to pull directly in front of a school. If I'm, you know, if I hear something going on at my kid's school, like all those things are completely free, but by preconditioning your mind to, okay, I've, I've kind of talked myself through this before. Now it's happening. These were the things that I, I talked through before. And again, you're obviously not like going back step by step in the time of, but naturally your, your mind is going to those things because it's, it's familiar. And that's, that's all training is, is getting reps on stuff is your muscle and mind is getting familiar with sending signals to your hand, to your finger, to pull the trigger. Like that, that's all you're doing. So hundred percent, like a civilian with the right mindset and, and their head out of their phone and understanding. I think the biggest thing like that a lot of civilians don't understand is what truly goes on in their own city. And I think if they knew like the exact crime or, you know, the, the things that happen in their city, then yeah. they hopefully would be a little bit more open to preparing themselves. Even like I get people in Virginia, in, in my city, Virginia beach all the time. Like, oh, I, you guys, you guys must not do much as a SWAT team. I don't ever see you. Like, well, okay. Where, where do you live? Okay. Well, that's maybe an indicator of why you don't see me much, but that doesn't mean that we're not out, you know, three times a week because you're just, it doesn't make the news anymore. It's not like, you know, unless it goes on for three, four hours, it's not making the news cycle and the news picks up on what they want to pick on, pick up on. But if you do the research, you understand, you know, you mm-hmm. start looking at the research of what happens in what areas like the data is available. Any city you go to now, especially larger cities, 
you can look at crime reports through your zip code, you know, however you want to do it. You can do it on, uh, what's the app? Uh, the neighborhood app. Um, it's like neighborhood watchdog or something, or that might be an old one from when I was in school, but I know there's several out there. Next door, next door, next door, next door door app. Yeah. You can, what's crazy is, and, and people will, will, will search that stuff out when they're like, when they're home shopping, when they're, oh, yeah. oh, we want to buy in a nice area with low crime and, you know, hold on my property value, which, hey, 100%, 100%, totally do that. You should definitely do that. You should also continue to do that so you understand, like, A, you know, the because it, it does. It'll detail, not specifics, but it'll tell you, like, you had this many burglaries. You had this many, you know, uh, whatever, petty, you know, larceny or, or whatever. You can see the kind of, you know, it might be a high crime rate area, but it might be petty theft, like, or, or small things like that. You're not talking like attempted murders and everything. Yeah. Uh, but it's funny, people, you know, they're all, it, it, in a lot of cases, unfortunately, it comes back to like financial motivation. It's like, I mean, preserve your, your property value. I mean, preserve your family, like understand what's going on in the community or even just going out and talking to local business owners. You can find out a lot of that stuff that way. Like just be proactive about it, you know, and, and be involved, pay attention. Yep. hundred percent, hundred percent. Now, would you say that, so getting into like the, I don't want to say minutia, but like, you know, the detail, those steps and things like that, is that something that, is that why I would, I guess SWAT teams are, are so effective at, at what you guys do as compared to normal patrol, because you have the abilities to just train to that, that level or is it something where it's just, I don't know, is there something else, you know, that like X factor, I guess, that, that people can't really account for? Uh, so I, I'll, I'll say, I'll start with saying this. Not all SWAT teams are created equal. Uh, and, and I don't mean that in a bad way or a negative way. I've, I've worked with many. I've been contracted out, you know, through the business to go and train mm-hmm. others. And that's why I can say that. And and again, I don't say in a bad way, it's not their fault. You know, some of them just don't have the training, the equipment, or or they don't have the time that they get to. Don't know what you don't know, yeah. Exactly. You don't know what you don't know, or you don't, you know, get the training, the the time to go train as a team, or number one, somebody to set you off in the right direction. You know, hey, you're on the team, you're on the team, you're on the team. All right, well, who's got some real experience here? Okay, well, we're just going off the level of our highest experienced guy, and that might not be very much in some of these rural areas with these tax teams. I hadn't even thought about that. That's a really yeah. good point. Yeah. Oh, I, and and I again, I experienced that recently. I, I, I I'm not going to name it out, but I, I train a great group of dudes. I don't take anything away from what they're doing. Like they they truly want to be, like they want to be the guys for their city, their county to handle business. But they've never been given money. They've never been, you know, given the ability to go out to go and train with, you know, anybody or taken a, a, okay, they do a basic SWAT school. But, you know, my, my opinion, most basic SWAT schools are just checking the boxes and, and they're great. They're, they're fine. And, and that's, you know, they, they do a job of teaching some stuff. But that's it. Like that's you know all you're all you're getting from those guys. And now it's like, all right, hey, go teach yourself. You know, every month, go teach yourself and reteach what you know. And if you don't have Jeez. like a you know higher level of knowledge, and that's what you're getting. And I I tell those guys like, hey, look, I, I know it sucks for you, but you got to do it. You know, as best as you can. Like reach out as much as you can. Network with people. 
because your, you know, Jane Doe or John Doe citizen that lives in your city has the same amount of value that they, you know, prescribe to their life as somebody in my city with a, you know, a highly trained team or, you know, a bunch of dudes that do it full time and that get uh, almost a hundred times more training than them. Like their life value is no different just because they live in that small city. Absolutely. You know, so, so I, I start that by saying, number one, all, all SWAT teams aren't equal. And, and again, I don't want to, I'm not talking bad about anybody at all. And I just, I just mean that to say, you know, you, you look on Instagram, you understand, like, you can't just say, you can't just say I'm, I'm SWAT. So that's why I'm, you know, qualified to teach you that that's not enough. You know, yeah. I, I, I've seen patrol guys that have a better knowledge of tactics than some SWAT guys. And so the, the other side of what you're saying is, yeah, hundred percent. There's like that, you know, that, that, that we talked about that everybody that I know that is on like a SWAT team, there's some outliers here and there, their drive, like what drives them to be better and to train and continuously train is that 1% scenario that we talked about. And it's not like, you know, most of us are, you know, just like in the military, like you're in a special ops community. You want, you want 100% to be tested. Like you want that scenario to play out for you because just, you know, like you, you go all the way back to the Vikings and, you know, the, the, you know, our ancestors years and years ago, you want to be tested on your knowledge and skills because you've done all this training for it. So you want to be put to the test. So you're looking for that. You're hoping for that. And you're continuously pushing yourself. So when, when the time comes and my tactics and my knowledge is tested, where will I stand? And I think generally that's where you find, you know, a lot of the SWAT, you know, guys and, and plenty of girls differentiate themselves because you you have plenty of just regular police officers, tons of great ones. I, 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 I never want to come on these things and like just talk bad about some. And, you know, I hate <laughs> doing that because there's tons of good, you know, detectives and just yeah. regular patrol officers out there that they don't want to do SWAT and that's fine. But they can still handle themselves. They can shoot. They're, they're amazing. But there's plenty that are complacent in, I just want to be a good property crimes detective. Or I just want to, you know, do this. And that other thing, yeah, it could happen. But the likelihood, as long as I sit behind this desk, my likelihood is lower and lower. So in my mind, I don't have to train for it like those other guys do or the SWAT guys do or whatever. And that's when you get into this, you know, really gray and, and bad area is, is you don't, I don't care what your assignment is on a police department. You don't get to choose, you know, when and where shit hits the fan and, and what your response is going to be. Because I'll, I'll tell you, for instance, like our active shooter, it happened to be by our main headquarters, our police headquarters. So Guess who the first couple, you know, some of the first couple of people to respond were, they were detectives, robbery detectives, uh, supervisors. Guys that were at the desk, yeah. They were, you know, like, and not in a bad way at the desk, like they're great detectives, great robbery, you know, detectives and 
like they solved tons of robberies and murders, but they were just the closest people. And so we just got like, not lucky, but there were some badass dudes and, and, and chicks that went in initially that had the mindset, like, I'm not just riding my desk. I can handle business at any time. And, you know, luckily it worked out in our favor. But there's there's so many instances where that's just not the case, where it's like, yep, I'm just preparing myself to go into work today and put on a collared shirt and some slacks. And, you know, I'm going to follow up on some on some reports and, you know, call some loss prevention people and ask for some videos. And and that's all I got to worry about today. I don't have to worry about getting killed. And that's just the wrong mindset, you know? Yeah, no, I think I think that for anybody that wants to be proficient and effective and capable, I mean, you have to obviously to different degrees, right? Civilian versus law enforcement to versus military, you know, I mean, you're just, you're looking at different likelihoods of having to, to utilize those skills. But if you're in any of those, right, wanting to be effective and capable, it, I think the mindset piece of it is, is huge. And you have to, this is my opinion, you know, it, embrace that and and strive to work towards that and be better about it i think there's across the board you know that you, you kind of nailed it and you said the the complacency you know like of just well i want to be good at this this one little little piece of of what's going on and that's all you know it's not we don't ever get to choose the moments which that stuff happens like you know uh people talk about with uh, car accidents like if if i knew i was gonna get in a car accident like I just wouldn't get in the fucking car that day. Like it's pretty, pretty simple. Right. Yeah. Um, but we don't know. So, I mean, you have to be ready to deal with that, you know, as it comes about. And again, that's, that that's, it means different things, but it's kind of the same thing, civilian to law enforcement to military, how you're going to prepare and, uh, and hopefully then that will match how you're going to react. And hopefully those are up to the standards, which they need to be, to be successful. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I I agree. And again, so that's you know just a little bit more that went into just the reasonings why I I, I enjoy training and I wanted to you know train other police officers and and again civilians alike. I got a course come up in January where I got I got like half of it filled with with civilians that just want to you know learn and 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 continue their education and and I I know that you know I've been watching you and you're you know continuing your you know cqc or room clearing or whatever you want to call it whatever the flavor of the week that people call it is is it's it's a skill set it's it again on instagram it's probably the uh most highly scrutinized skill set however it's yeah yeah it's still a skill set that is really really good to know yeah no i i think that that's I think that's a hundred percent accurate. You know, we all live obviously in structures. We're more than likely to encounter. Well, maybe not more likely, but there's a likelihood we could encounter in a scenario, our domicile, a store, our office, um, especially because, you know, a lot of these, well, you know, these businesses and things, they don't, they're all moving towards weapons free zones. So whether you have a gun or not, I mean, understanding a lot of the angles behind doorways and how to not be seen and stuff can still hold some value. Um, I honestly, I think it's a good thing that it's starting to come to light more. Um, and people are 
are hopefully as a result of that starting to be more personally accountable for their training, you know, be your own first responder within reason. You know, I mean, obviously if you know your area and your response times are able to, to address your situation, then that's fortunate. But I know like we were talking about earlier, right. With, with defunding the police, like seconds count and the pen helps minutes away, you know, it's, or even just like the med stuff, like be able to be at least that temporary help to, to, to remedy that particular situation. Um, yeah. And, and the CQC stuff, like it, it, for anybody that's listening to this and things are just going to like spring into that and like, Oh, I know my house. You know, I've had people tell me like, I have a buddy that just doesn't keep any lights on in his house and he doesn't own night vision or put lights on his guns. He knows his house. So if he hears a squeak in the floor, he's just going to shoot at the noise. I'm like, dude, that is the absolute dumbest shit I think I've ever fucking heard. Like, I don't care how good you are or where you trained or whatever that to me, you know, I mean, no, that that's just awful. Uh, but there's, there's people out there that prescribe to that mentality and are like, yeah, no, I, I'm just that good. Like, Mm, that sounds pretty arrogant to me, man. I don't know. Maybe you should take a CQB class or I don't know, go yeah. refresh somewhere, talk to somebody. Yeah. It's like, there's just so many red flags there. Like, okay, what if it's like, you're just kid in the middle of the night getting up or, you know, whatever, like you just randomly like shooting. And again, that's that scenario thing. And just, I think in, and I'm sure you've experienced the people you talk to. They're like that. It's, and I, I, I heard you talking about it. Um, oh, gosh, I was listening to one of your podcasts uh, yesterday. And I, I want to say, who's the, the dude that does like a lot of videographer stuff for his own like content? And Oh, uh, Drew Hopkins from yeah, us. Yeah, true, true. Okay, thank you. Yeah. So Drew Hopkins. So I was, and I, I think we, you know, you guys just generally hit on like the, uh, I know, I know what I'm doing. I don't need more, you know, something to that effect. And it was just like, yeah, you, you don't know what you don't know. And, you know, you're, you can have this high level of confidence in, in what you think you're able to do, but reality is going to kick you in the face one day. And it's not going to matter what you think, you know, it's just going to matter of what you do know. And, you know, so you can, you know, have all these, oh yeah, don't worry. I got like, there's, and I've talked to them too. They got to answer for everything. If this happens, I'm just going to do this. If this happens, I'm just going to do this. And none of them lead to a scenario that actually makes sense. It's all, you know, some, something they've told themselves so that they can feel confident. And this is the other, you know, part of that whole, you know, you know, stuff you see on Instagram with the CQC is, well, like, no, I know what I'm doing. Like, I don't need training from anybody else or, I I'm good at this. I've, I've done it so many times and my outcome has been this, you know, just the same thing we talked about. And so I'm good to go. I don't need anything from anybody else. And it's, you know, I think you said earlier, like you, you don't know what you don't know. So if you've never been exposed to, well, number one, you're never going to be exposed to other methods or tactics if your mind isn't open to it and that's like the first most important thing about especially when we talk about like the cqc side of it you can't be closed off to this is what i learned in the army in 1995 
and okay. this is yeah. you know this is the doctrine and they, if they start using the words doctrine then i just i shut down like immediately shut down because that is like the worst word when we start talking about you know nowadays you know cqc stuff is is doctrine and i hear that i'm like all right i'm moving on i know you don't know anything because that means that you're stuck on something that was written in a book you know a small unit tactics book or battle six you know battle drill six which is you know cqc for army battle drills like you don't know anything besides that and you think that's right. gold because the army taught you it or whoever i don't you you name it navy marine corps whatever and that's why i'm happy that i was in the navy i'm happy that i'm in the national guard um, unfortunately i make fun of my national guardsmen because it's part of the <laughs> army and like unless yeah. you're unless you're in the special operations or special forces community you your level of knowledge of cqc is it's just bad like if you do those tactics it's bad and even like you get to sf and i will never knock on any sf levels because they they know what they know and if you're you know army sf or if you're you know whatever you have to have that mindset that your your branch of the military is the best of the best and everyone else sucks at it that's just that's a thing it was a thing when i was in the military no matter yeah. what what the skill set is like it's just this whole battle we do it the best and that's why i joined this instead of this and even there like if you have that closed off mindset then you're you're just gonna you know stop your learning right then and there and you can get out and we see it all the time like you see people get out they use and again just like i said earlier like you can't you can't just say i was i'm swat so that's why i'm you know qualified to teach others you can't just say i was you know army sf navy seal marine marsoc and that's why i'm qualified you, you need to have more than that like you have hopefully you have an open mind to where you know you didn't just learn your tactics and you you t shit on everybody else's tactics and you say you know if they're doing it like that they're doing it wrong cuz i never do that like i'm always I, I'm I'm not an SF guy. I'm not a special operations guy. I'm a SWAT guy. Um, I'm fortunate enough to live in Virginia Beach, and we know you know who's in Virginia Beach and who hangs out here. And so I occasionally get to train with Tier One guys here, and you know see what they're doing, see what they're teaching, and understand that they're you know again learning lessons in battle, and they're changing tactics based on the things that they see, you know overseas yeah. in combat. And so it's like, all right, well, they're changing their tactics because of, you know, how many times that they've taken fire or taken casualties because the way they're clear and they changed it. We need to change it because we don't, right. you, know, you know, we don't and get it, nearly as many engagements as those guys do. Well, right. And and honestly, that's the thing about a lot of the, you know, tier one units or, you know, I've talked to a handful of uh you know, Green Berets, Rangers, a um, couple of gentlemen that, that were in the unit, you know, for years and stuff. And every one of them consistently will say, if there's a better way to do it, I want to know. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't care where it comes from. I don't, you know, like I, and that's, I think that, you know, if you start to see enough commonality between these exceptional, uh, I would say performers, but these exceptional individuals, right. Whether it's at a SWAT level, you know, or all the way up at the unit, you know, whatever, but it, it's that, it's that, that mindset, that, that open mindset, wanting to just find the best way, the most effective way, regardless of what that means for your ego. Um, 
and that applies to everybody. You know, you, if you really truly want to be good at, at the, uh, I hate using this term, but like this tactical stuff, right? Like, yeah, have an open mind. Be, I mean, you don't always have to agree with people. I mean, God knows it's your it's your right to if you want to stay committed to the would you say like the nineteen ninety six uh, battle yeah. drill six or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I mean, then more power to you. You know, be happy. Good luck. Whatever. But I mean, certainly understand that there's been an awful lot of uh, lessons learned, you, you know, since then uh, paid in blood and yeah. might, might be worth your, your time and possibly life to, to, to open up and, and, and let some of that in and see if maybe what people are, are sharing with you uh, is, is not something that could benefit you in, in multiple ways. You know, it's worth yeah. the discussion. Well, yeah. And, and so even like, like mind fuck here right like so let army special forces let's just use that real quick they know tactics really well if if the army in general was smart had the time resources and money then they would just teach everybody those same room clearing tactics right Mm -hmm. so a lot of it is also derived on understanding what you're taught and what your mission set was like you weren't taught you didn't do hundreds of hours of CQC if you were just army infantry guy. Okay. Because the likelihood of you, you know, using that instead of, you know, you need to, you know, learn how to do, um, you know, open air type maneuvers or, you know, ambushes, you know, over, yeah. you know, large fields or large battlefields. That's, that's what we needed to spend the time on. So that's, that's why you spent more time on that and less time on CQC and why army, you know, the SF guys are spending more time on CQC. So uh, even understanding just because you learned it at that, you know, whatever level you're at, it didn't mean it was the best. And even the army probably wouldn't, if you went to the you know highest level, they wouldn't say, yeah, you learned the best tactics because they would say, well, no, the SF guys are doing the best tactics. This is just why we spent this amount of time. This is how much we had to allocate to it. That's why you got what you got. And if you, you know, had that mindset of understanding that, then, Hopefully you would be smart enough to say, okay, I need to, you know, now that I want to do this more and be more professional on this, I need to understand way more than I knew because I was given a sliver of the basics and, and there's you know so much more beyond that, that I need to understand. You know, we've gone from, you know, deliberate to dynamic to, you know, half dynamic, half deliberate, like, you know, there's hundred scenarios that will, can call for almost 99 different ways to clear a structure. And the biggest thing is number one, having the, the tactics. Okay. When it's time to go deliberate, do I know how to do this? Do I know my footwork? Do I know how to get through a door without, you know, you know, knocking my rifle into it. And then do I know how to, you know, clear my corner fast and then collapse my sector? Okay, well, now it's it's deliberate. It's a little bit slower. Do I know how to pan this you know, door or do a proper threshold assessment on this door? And then, you know, just the movement, walk through it with minimizing the amount of time. Number one, I'm exposed to an angle. And number two, if I'm a number two guy, the biggest thing is minimizing the amount of time that my number one guy's back is exposed to a you know, corner that was left uncleared. Okay, so now you have the basics of how to do those things, the footwork, the, you know, weapons manipulation through that, which is huge, which goes, you know, um, 
it doesn't get as much attention as it needs to. And I think I heard you even talking about it with Drew, like the, you know, you had somebody maybe comment you on like walking, negotiating a doorway with your rifle in the, you know, up position or muzzle up. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of that stuff doesn't get, we got to understand those little things, like two people through a door, whether it's dynamic or deliberate. And then when you understand how to do each of those, okay, now what scenario asked me to do a deliberate clearance or a, um, uh, a slower clearance, you know, there's again, different terms. That's the other thing I hate about, you know, the crossover is everyone's got a term for something. Yeah. They're all named for the same thing. Yeah. So what scenario requires deliberate clearance or a more slower threshold tactic where I can clear from outside the room as opposed to, you know, when do I need to go dynamic and I need to get in the room and, and now put my level of safety down on the back burner and then whoever's in that room, their level of safety needs to go up because now I'm processing everything all at once, as opposed to, you know, the deliberate clearance where I can process, you know, 90, 90% of that room from outside the room before I make entry in a, in a slower threshold, you know, or manner where I'm processing 10% at a time, 10%, 10%, 10%. So understanding those basics, and then you got to apply like, okay, when, do I use which one of these? When is it appropriate? Hostage rescue, you know, active shooter, you know, all those things. Like that's, that's the, you know, in my, in my mind, if you start to understand the why and when I apply those different things, instead of yeah. using the doctrine of, no, nah, we only go dynamic or we only teach dynamic because that's the best way. I call it bullshit. Like the biggest way to test anything is you go force on force. You know, you put people, bad guys, you know, role players, whatever. You put them in a room with sim rounds. You don't even tell them how you're going to clear, what their objective is. Don't let them know so they can't game it. You go force on force with them in in whatever given your scenario. And you're going to truly test your tactics to see if they're greater than somebody else's. You know, it's like, and again, it's not one superior tactic. One is more superior at other times. If I'm, you know, going into a hostage rescue scenario. 100%. I have to accept that it's okay if I take one or two rounds as I'm making entry because uh, those one or two rounds that are coming at me are not going at the victim or the hostage. So those are, you got to understand, you know, why and when we use the different tactics. Yeah. I mean, that's it. In, in, in essence, I think, you know, what you're hitting on is like, it's teaching people how to think, you know, to take the skill sets yes. and, you know, you got 20, it it's definitely more than that, but you have 20 tools, 20 skill sets, and you solve the equation with three of them, but which three, you know, and like, and it's, it is, it's that thought process and putting it together. And that's the, I think that's the real learning curve. There is not just being able to regurgitate, you know, the four or five things that, you know, and try to make those four or five, you know, square pegs fit to a round hole. It's how do I really make sense of this situation and how do you do it quickly too? Cause it's usually not, you know, you don't have time to sit down and, well, let's see here. How can I do this? You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I mean, it just highlights, you know, for as much as we all love it on, on the social media, pulling triggers is like not that high on the list. I mean, like you have to be accurate and accountable. Sure. But you know, the further you get into a lot of these, these subjects, I mean, CQC obviously, but anything else like, the, the, the shooting part of it is, is way low on the list. Uh, when you, when you start actually digging into 
what goes into these different specialities, uh, you know, whether it's military, you know, land navigation and small unit tactics or, uh, or, I mean, it could be anything, you know, even just learning how to shoot out to range, understanding that wind actually does have a big impact. You know, I mean, yeah. any of this stuff, it's, it's, there's a lot to it. So something people need to take more, uh, value in, I think, but, um, we're kind of, we're running up to the end here, sir. Um, so I do want to say thank you again yeah. for, for coming on. This has been great. Uh, where can people, if they want to see more about, of, of what you're doing and look up, you know, class information, things like that. Um, what's the website, what's the the social media they can, they can look you up with. Oh yeah. So defender series training group.com is the website. That's, you know, we're post our upcoming classes and, you know, any info and I got people reach out to me, want to host courses and stuff like that. And then uh, Instagram is defender series training group, just a underscore in between each of those. And, uh, and again, uh, I, I love Instagram, by the way, um, social media, I have connected you um, yeah. so many people in positive ways. Like, you know, it, it is what you make of it. So I don't, yeah, there's negative things every once in a while, but man, even through, you know, just my, my full-time SWAT job, like I have connected with, you know, different companies where I got T and E's from because of it. And, and so there's a lot of positive things and, and, and connections that can be made on, on Instagram. So I, that was my little spill. And, and number one, Austin, I wanted to just say, hey, you've had some awesome guests on there. So I'm, I'm very, very happy and, and proud that you asked me to be on it as a uh, as one of your your peasants among some of the awesome guests that you've had, I, I, I appreciate. It. I really do. No, I, this. Thank you. No, I seriously, uh, I appreciate you taking the time. I know everybody's busy, and especially now. I mean, hell, we're five days from Christmas. Lord knows everybody's got enough other shit going on. But uh, always, you know, very thankful and and humbled for people to come on and and willing to to talk and share their their knowledge and experience. So very much appreciated on this end as well. And. Uh, certainly wish you and the family a you know a merry christmas and uh hopefully we can get together in the next couple months and do do another one of these awesome same to you man happy holidays and once again i appreciate it like i said troy and i got into a whole bunch of stuff great conversation i hope you guys enjoyed it you know we touched on his experience in the navy uh his experience with law enforcement and and getting into a SWAT team and, and teaching and uh, you know, we got, we talked about training standards and fitness and active shooters and just, just so many great, great topics of discussion that we got into in it. Uh, one of the things I really love about this is <clears throat> I tell all my guests going in is just, you know, we can talk about whatever, uh, we'll take it wherever it needs to go. And, you know, as you guys have, have heard a lot of this, we, we bring people back for a round two, cause there's just so much to say. There's so many so many points to discuss and, and things like that, and, and this certainly was no exception to that. Uh, really, really enjoyed having the opportunity to sit down and and hear Troy's uh, story, his his perspective, his thoughts, and you know a, a lot of what we said kind of resonated with each other, and we we agreed on a lot of things. And I think you guys, you know, as we start to as individuals move through the community and progress and things, you'll find your mindset does start to shift and you'll start to see that it, you know, you will start to align more with people that have, I don't want to say have this figured out, right? Cause I don't think we, any of us ever a hundred percent have all of this figured out, but there's just certain people you're going to come across, right. That are 
more successful in the avenues that you want to be successful in. There's people that are, you know, uh, more respected in a lot of the regards that you may also want to be respected in. It doesn't always have to be about what you've done or how much knowledge you have. A lot of it is mindset and attitude and perspective. You know, you can be a great person and still have people's respect and people really, really want to be around you and everything without having been a door kicker for 20 years. And likewise, I know a lot of dudes who've been out there and done it, that there's people that don't want anything to do with them, you know? So, uh, like I said, perspective, uh, and this was definitely different from a lot of the recent conversation I've had. And that's not a knock on anybody. It's just different. And one of the reasons why I specifically reached out, you know, to Troy and have tried to, you know, get him on the schedule here, bring him on and, and thrilled to have him. And I look forward to when we can do it again. So like I said, I certainly hope that you guys enjoyed it. Uh, this, this is the last episode pre Christmas for 2022. So if you guys have stuck around to this point, (laughs) uh, you know, listening to the pod, I I do want to wish all of you a very Merry Christmas. I hope you have a great time with your family, your friends, your loved ones. Uh, Given that Christmas falls on a weekend this year, hopefully your Christmas Eve, your Christmas Day, and then potentially even the day after Christmas because of how our federal calendar works and stuff is a very restful time for everyone. You get to absorb you know, uh, just those memories, maybe, you know, taking some, some content, uh, work on some training and some dry fire and things like that, but really just try to enjoy it, whatever, whatever that means for you, enjoy it and, and live it up for, for yourself. And, uh, we're all going to, you know, head into 2023 head on together. But until that, you know, post Christmas, that's all I got for you guys. Thanks for stopping by. And there's going to be more coming next week. So stay tuned for that. But until then, get out there and work hard, train smarter, and be prepared.